what do we do when we find ourselves up against the many leadership challenges that exist within our chosen careers? We all have goals and achievements that we would like to accomplish. Unfortunately, these desires don't come equipped with insight or awareness on how to bring these accomplishments to light. In essence, this is why the Dream Octane Niche Finder Framework was formed. Our founder, Clifton C. Manning, spent the first 17 of his 20-year career in healthcare working with physicians and healthcare leaders to achieve patient-centric goals while possessing only an associate's degree in applied science. At times, these challenges were daunting and he felt unqualified to achieve the success he wanted. However, he focused on becoming intentional in reading every leadership book that he could find, as well as attending frequent seminars in areas where he saw opportunities to improve. Over time, as he applied insights gained from these various sources, he was able to successfully and efficiently cross the hurdles he found himself up against. Eventually, varying degrees of success within his sphere of leadership influence became more evident. The Niche Finder podcast is intended to bring similar insight to you, the listener, from those who have achieved some level of noteworthy success in their chosen career. Our hope is that the challenges they have overcome in the past will provide insight for your current leadership struggles and unlock the dream of achieving success in your own career. We believe that if innovative change is an engine, your unique dreams and abilities could be its fuel. And now I present to you the host of the Niche Finder podcast, Clifton C. Manning. To my fellow creatives, entrepreneurs, and online influencers, welcome to the Niche Finder Framework. The goal of this program is to interview a variety of experts in their chosen field and have them tell you their story. We look forward to hearing about the qualities that work best for them in times past in order to provide insight for you in your current situation and for your future. You see, we believe that the chasm that separates you from where you currently are to the goal of where you want to be is simple. There's a bridge and it's called know-how. Now you can learn on your own from the school of the hard knocks or you can add accelerant to your journey by learning from the progress and the path of others. So that's what the Niche Finder Framework is all about. But the thing that we're excited about today is that we have not only someone from the medical arena and the physical therapy space, but this person is also a serial entrepreneur. So we get the best of both worlds. So listen, I won't even bore you with the details. Without further ado, I want to introduce you to Dr. Olin Gatsby. Thank you for having me today. I'm more than happy to support your venture and let people like me speak of our own experiences. What I think of is that I wish I had something like this growing up because, you know, I got myself out of a situation where I knew I needed to better my life and I did it without guidance. And I think this is like a great way to lead young people into the same direction that I've led myself into. And I'm happy to be part of it, let's just say. Tell me about yourself and how your journey got started. Give me a little insight into that. So technically, you know, at a young age, I went into medicine to become a doctor of physical therapy. And I went to medical school in UMDNJ in in Newark. But my life didn't start that way. I just remembered being a young kid. Didn't know what poor was until I started hanging around with people who had more money than my family. And I slowly realized that I knew I was happy, but I knew I wanted to not only live a life in the realm that they were living, but also at a young age, I started thinking about family, how my father provided for me and how I want to provide for my father. A couple of values, you know, being in the Filipino culture were always instilled in me to have good work ethic, 
I was very proud of my parents and my family for what they've accomplished. And their main philosophy was like, as long as you do better than what your parents did for you, then you're doing well for your family. Not for yourself in the future, but for your future family or current family. So I think that's what molded me early on. I started thinking about my future even when I was like 18, 19 years old. And there are people that dream and they dream big and they just keep dreaming all their life. And that was another lesson I learned, you know, stop dreaming and start just kind of like taking some risks. One thing I want young people to understand is that when you're young, you have less to lose. I mean, there's a lot of meaning to that statement. As you get older and you have more assets and have a family behind you, you have more to lose, meaning you cannot take those big risks. And, you know, as people say, big risks have big rewards. Yeah, well, you could take that when you're young, but not when you're older, you know, because what I just said. So, you know, young people think smart. Just know early on is when you really have to take those big risks. Then don't be afraid. Find a mentor. I tried to find some out there and they were hard to find. But this podcast that we're doing right now is part mentorship, you know, giving you guys direction. So, you know, that's the only reason I'm sitting down here instead of spending time with my family, because I believe that this is going to give people an advantage for their future. And I want to be part of that. So I hear you placing an emphasis on mentorship, which for me, traditionally has always been someone standing shoulder to shoulder with you as a guide. The Niche Finder framework, however, uses Squadcast to deliver mentorship. But can the two be the same? I think a lot of people find mentorship, physical mentorship. But this Squadcast that you're doing is part of that mentorship, you know, listening in and taking note. So, you know, sometimes physical mentorship is not what you just need, you know. Just hearing it from a guy that's lived it is mentorship. So I understand you have an awareness of being poor when you compared yourself to others at the start of your journey. However, as you started to set goals, what were they for your future? And how important was it to help people as you were setting goals? Tell me about how you formed these aspirations. I'm going to give you the short version is that, you know, by the time I was age, maybe 23, 20, about 23, I had three companies they were doing well, and my account pretty much says, what do you want to do in life right now? You're doing well for 23 years old. If you want to just take in the passive income, you'd do well. And I said, you know what, I think this is my chance to technically do something more fulfilling rather than just money or financially driven, let's just say. That's a better term, right? So I said, you know, maybe helping people through medicine may be the route for me. Since I'm going to have passive income anyway, I want to be fulfilled more on a spiritual sense, you may want to call it. People always want to say, like, I want to help people. You know, I think part of helping people is also self-fulfilling for myself because it has gratitude and accomplishments in helping, you know, mankind in general. So I think that's what led me to it. I applied for medical school and then a program called the Doctor of Physical Therapy. I was the first doctor of physical therapy, first class in New Jersey. I already had a business sense, right, from my previous endeavors. And I knew I wanted to get into some type of medicine, maybe internal medicine. And then this opportunity was given to me. I got a full scholarship. I mean, you know, how do I turn down a full scholarship, right? So I felt like maybe that was my calling. So I proceeded it, and when it came down to it, I wanted to excel in it, and almost 20 years later, I have three practices, I've been published in research, so I've evolved over time, and even though medicine 
it's still a product, right? This squad cast is mainly about business and how to be successful. Everything in life, when it comes to like monetary value, it's still product and it's presenting a product, delivering a product. It comes back to that whole supply and demand. You know, another question is how to find your niche. The best advice I give somebody is this, start your business small. Think big, start small. So let me ask you this. What type of external struggles did you find yourself up against at the start of your journey? So many, but I'd list you a lot of fears instilled in me. I may be successful now and I might be confident now, but early on, there were a lot of fears, a lot of fears from, you know, I would get advice from people and they're like, you know, people that weren't even business people that I would take advice from. They're like, do you know how hard it is to start your own business? And I would allow that fear to be a part of my, you know, life. And I didn't get it. Like now that I think about it, like, why would I take advice for somebody that never started a business? <laughs> right. There's other businessmen that you speak to that make it seem so difficult to start a business. And sometimes I feel like they want to deter you. They want to keep it to themselves. That's what they want to do. Exactly. <laughs> there were some people that definitely were genuine and I could tell they were genuine. And they were confident. They were the most successful people are sometimes the most confident people. Like they're willing to give you everything because they know you're never going to touch them. And then there's people that are just on the brink of being successful and they don't want you playing the field. So I'm just being honest here. Man. Yeah, man, you that's just real talk, brother. I would come home and, you know, any advice I got, I would start to reassess. Is this good advice or is this a deterrent? And that's how I evolved in business. And I think that's how I keep evolving in business. So what type of walls did you find yourself up against within your current opportunity at the very start of your journey? I mean, I will tell you, every businessman's first obstacle is financial difficulties. That's the first in line. You know, how do I start a business? It needs money. And that's why I say start small. And when I say start small, I mean, you got to test your product or your skill set on a small level to see if it even works. You know, I love these people where they have an idea and they start amassing like 5,000 square foot signing three year contracts. That's scary to me. I mean, 20 years in, I'm still scared of that stuff. Right. <laughs> and maybe that's why I'm successful. I don't like to take loans. I don't like to take big risks. And I think taking big risk means you haven't done your homework enough. Because if you do homework enough, it should be a calculated risk. It shouldn't be a tremendous risk. So a lot of it is, I think big, I start small, I test the market. You know, when you say you start small, you're technically testing the market, if it's going to hit or not. And guess what? Even if you test the market and you feel like it's going to hit, that's where the gamble is. And then if it doesn't hit, at least it's not a big gamble that you can't recoup from. So what I hear you saying is that when you start a business, you're going to have to take some risks, but it should be calculated risk. Think big, but start small and do your homework. 100%. That's powerful. So what type of conflicts did you find yourself up against along your journey? Number one, internal conflicts, right? People don't really understand. Internal conflicts meaning self-doubt. You have to use your logical sense and saying like, look, I've done enough homework. I've done enough groundwork that whatever doubts I even put in myself rather than just people around me, I have to put it into fruition because I put the hard work into it. And even if it fails, as long as I know I did my homework, then I know that risk is worth it. Because within that failure, I will learn something. I will learn something out of that failure. And you can't be afraid to fail. Because you know what? If you're afraid to fail, don't do anything. Stay home. Right. Work a regular nine to five. Be happy with that. There's nothing wrong with that. But if you're afraid to fail, then you can't be in business. So a lot of the hardships were, you know, like anything else, right? You have to have connections, which I didn't have. 
So that's a hard door to open. But I had that mentality of like, maybe I don't need to open doors. Maybe I start the business so small, I'm not even within that playing field. You know, I'm not with the big leagues. What were your internal struggles and what value did you find in overcoming them? I can tell you right now, I had a lot of limitations and hardships because people weren't rooting for me. You know, I've mentally blocked that stuff already. That's why when you asked me, the biggest limitations was myself, self-doubt. To get into business, you have to tell yourself that stuff. You have to accept that. You have to understand your own weaknesses. You know, to be strong, you have to know your weaknesses. You know, a guy that's confident gets blindsided. I have so much doubt every day. And people were like, oh my God, how could you be so successful? And you know what? Doubt is what makes me rethink what I'm doing. I wake up every day and be like, what could I do better? That's doubt. I don't wake up every day. I'm like, I'm a success. Guess what? You don't stay at the top thinking that way. <laughs> and plus, when you start small in business, whoever's listening, there's less risk. It's less scary. But you're definitely training yourself to get to the top. When you get to that top, it's easier to stay up there when you're well-trained from the bottom because then you're ready to take that crown. But if you get up there just because of connections, shortcuts, you ain't going to stay up top. By the way, guys, there's a lot of rich people that go bankrupt within the first year. There's a reason for that. There's a lot of people that win the lotto and are bankrupt within a year. You know why? They're not ready for it. People that grind, people that think, people that reassess become ready for it. You know, growing up, my dad was a really big nature buff. And I remember watching everything from National Geographic to Nova, <laughs> you know, all these Channel 13 programmings. And I remember one episode that we were watching that was with the honey badger. And honey badger, the start of this episode, had the honey badger up against this cobra and they're going at it. So he's biting at the snake. And the snake is slashing out at him and striking the honey badger a couple of times. And the honey badger eventually subdued the snake. But then it seemed like the honey badger also succumbed to the multiple strikes of the cobra and the venom. And you saw it pass out. 20 minutes later, the honey badger started moving again and started to shake off what had happened. And you thought it was dead. But the commentators went back in time and showed how these honey badgers, when it was just a cub, just a baby. The mommy honey badger will give the baby honey badger or cub would give them scorpion seed. And these scorpions obviously would sting the cubs, but it wasn't enough to kill them. But it was enough for them to get some kind of venom within them. Now, that prepared them, the stinging of the scorpions, for when they became adults or full-grown honey badgers, and they now had to go up against the venom of a cobra. Now, the reason that I bring this up is that I think that it's so interesting when you talk about starting small, that it's almost as if I'm hearing you say, we need to develop an immunity. An immunity so that when we get to the bigger situations or when the bigger problems come in business, we would already be prepared from the incremental installments of going up against these different situations that can actually harm us. It actually caused us to be developed and also to develop something that could withstand a situation that could possibly take us out. But because we have prepared over time, it helps us to weather that storm. Even if it knocks us down for a moment, it doesn't completely take us out. It's perfect to what you're saying, like start small. Start with the little small things and incrementally work your way up. So what end result were you looking to achieve, though, when you started your business? You know, I'm not such a big success in my point of view, but I am way better than where my father started. But I'm proud of my father. I made him retire early. So that's an accomplishment in itself for me, right? But if somebody tells you that's successful in anything, I knew what I was going to end up at. They're lying to you. Because successful people really evolve. 
So if you consider me successful or not, I know I'm successful. You know, it's all relative, right? I'm successful compared to what my father did. I'm successful to what my grandfather did. It's all relative. But successful people, like people that are driven, like what I feel like I'm driven, we don't know the end. Because to us, there is no end. I might have a goal, but that's not my end game. My goal is at this point in my life, this is where I want to be. But that's not my end game. So, you know, all I wanted to do was, you know, I wanted to do something that I love. I wanted to be successful in it. It's hard to start to want to be successful thinking about money. You know, saying like, I want to be wealthy. I want to be rich. I want to be wealthy. What happened is that there's so much pressure in accomplishing that. I think, you know, early in life, what I learned was it is such a cliche to say, right? Do something you love and you will never work a day in your life. How many times do we hear that, right? Right, right, right. You're like, all right, whatever. I like cooking. How many chefs in the world are successful? There's a handful, but come on, there's millions of us. What I got out of that is this. If I do what I love and I'm really good at it because I love it, I'm going to be more of a success at that than anything else. What I say is this, do what you love, be the best as you could be in it and don't count the money. The money will come right behind it. Mm. If you focus on the money, you're so distracted about money that you could never really hone in your craft and your niche. So when people are like, how do you develop it? Wake up hungry every day. I'm in a different era, right? So I tell you, like I, I grew up poor. So I'm in an era of like Big Papa, Lil Wayne, say those kind of stuff. But they said some stuff, man. At a young age, I was just like, you're right, you know? Scared money don't make money. <sighs> Come on. Right. I mean, I'm not saying I'm taking big money, but even starting a small business, you're still gambling some kind of money. So don't be scared. You got money, you know, you got a little money to put into a business. Not gambling, taking Atlantic City. You got money that's reserved that you know you can put into a business that you put your hard work and effort into it and you want to take a risk at it. Yeah. Scared money don't make money. That applies. I can hear you as far as like where you've been through with your journey. But now when we look at your niche, you kind of touched on it a little bit. What do you see from a passion standpoint? What were your strong interests in when you were starting your journey? What were you strongly interested in? Once I became a doctor in physical therapy, I definitely applied some of my knowledge in business. But the first thing I wanted to do was like, how do I get good in medicine, right? And I said, I'm going to work in a hospital for you know a couple of years to see the worst cases ever and don't be afraid of it. Once I got hired in the hospital, I said, give me the hardest cases ever. I was hungry for that because I know like if I could fix the people in the hardest cases, I could fix anybody. Like a lot of my coworkers would shine away from it because they're like, you know what, they're hard cases. I don't know if I want my day to be dealing with those kind of people. I want to work a nine to five. That was the difference, you know? That moved me up in the hospital and a lot of the physicians were like, look, I want to send you my patients because you're not afraid of challenge and you get them better. And you know how I got them better? Because hard cases make you learn because they're the people that you need to put your heart and soul in your clinical, your academic, everything else. And then when they get better, it's more rewarding. It's more rewarding. I'm gonna tell you something that as a young kid, I was I was a little bit of a fighter. I did a little bit of mixed martial arts. I did a little bit of MMA and I love fighting big guys. And I always told myself, if I fight the big guy, knocks me out. It's supposed to happen. <laughs> if right. I get in there, fight the big guy, I knock him out. I'm a victor. <laughs> I'm a god. You see that? Same thing at the hospital. I want the hard cases. Because if they don't get better, hey, I made my best effort. It's not expected. But if I fixed them, it was like godly. And guess what? The doctors in the hospitals then said, you need to start your own business. You need to start your own practice. And that's how it started, my friend. Mm. And I started small. And guess what? I had a following. 
So it sounded like your passions kind of tied into your willingness to want to help the people who needed the greatest help. Like you wanted to be the greatest resource to greatest need. That's what I kind of hear you saying. Am I right? I mean, if you want to be great, you got to take the hardest challenges, man. I think that was early on in my life. That was what was ingrained in me. You know, I came here from the Philippines. I was a skinny kid. I was a skinny kid. I was picked on, you know. Everybody's got the gripes, that story, right? But I was picked on. But at one point or another, I had to wake up and be like, you know what? No excuses. And, you know, I took my punches and I got out of it. I learned from it. But actually, the same people that used to beat me up became my buddies because they knew I'd get up and stand up. It's not how you fall. It's how you get up, man. Tell me something. So when it came down to something being passionate, what did you do that you felt like this was purposeful? When I actually did this thing, I felt like I was made for this moment. So when I first started my business, anybody who starts a business is going to have this biggest fear. Am I going to be good enough? Am I going to have enough following? Any business is the same. It be clothing or medicine. It's the same. It's a product. It's all about customer service. You go in any clothing store, if that service is not good, no matter how good that product is, people will walk out. No matter how good of a doctor is, if your bedside matter is not good, they will walk out. So that was my feeling. I realized I was into something when first year I was like questioning myself, am I going to be good enough? Am I going to be busy enough? And then a year later, I needed to hire people. And then I knew I'm onto something. If I have to hire people because there's a bunch of people knocking at the door, this is the beginning. And now this momentum, I mean, listen to me, many businesses become successful and then they drown. You have to also know how to harness that, right? So once that momentum was going, I need to sit down and rethink, like, how am I going to control that momentum? I mean, physics, F equals MA. Momentum is good, but momentum is bad. Well, you know, part of the reason I have this part of the conversation and when I'm talking to experts, because one of the things I was telling you about is that I'm actually in the process of finishing a book that's entitled Dream Octane, Seven Steps to Discovering, Developing and Delivering Your Niche. And part of that framework on the discovery side is I believe that there are five things that help people to uncover their niche. And the first one we covered already is passion. The second things are things that we feel purposeful around. But the third one, I believe there are patterns. By patterns, I mean what propensities, those natural tendencies or proclivities, those things that we do so regularly that we actually are good at because we do it all the time and it's rope. What do you have that's a pattern? What did you have in a pattern in your beginning that you feel has helped you to become closer and better at doing what you do right now? You know, from a personal standpoint, my pattern is it's so fulfilling for me is always reassessing every day of what I could do better. I know it's very gross statement, but, you know, the pattern I would do is wake up and assess of what I could do better and what I could achieve for today rather than the long term goal. The pattern of having great interpersonal skills with people, you know, people need to practice that on a daily basis. Customer service is all about relationships with people and it's how to talk to people. Till this day, I still learn like how to improve the way I communicate with people. My wife educates me practically on a daily basis of what I can improve and how to communicate with people. And I thought I was like, wow, you know, I'm pretty successful. I thought I'm a great communicator. But in her perspective, a lot of it is that I watch myself, watch the way I communicate with people my patterns are wake up hungry work hard during the day but have fun like when i say have fun you know always express that positive feeling throughout the day and positivity will always give back to you and before i go to bed my head just 
spins of what ideas I had. And I always tell myself, the brain is like a muscle, it needs to rest. And that's the pattern. And you know, another pattern is once you create a business and you see the trend of success, pattern is such a great thing. The way you talk about your book is like pattern. It's so dimensional in the way I live my life on a daily basis to be successful, the way I communicate, the way I delegate, or also pattern is the way I conduct my business model. I've had the same business model for 20 years. I modify it a little bit, but the business model in itself is still pretty much the same as when I started. And why would I change it if it's made me a success now? Well, that was the next question I was going to ask you. What experience from your times past has had the greatest success? The greatest success is consistency. I mean, great word, man. Because you know what? When you're in business and you become successful, everybody comes out of the woodwork telling you how you should conduct your business. And it's easily to be influenced by that. And if you are influenced by that and you change your business model based on those other people that didn't do the same homework that you did and you fail, it's you who you should blame yourself, not them. So consistency is always the best. And guess what? Look at all the successful people, right? It's all consistency. You name it. Louis Vuitton, consistent product. Hermes, consistent product. You name anything. Amazon, what do they want? Deliveries, consistency. If you change the way you conduct business every day, you know how many frustrated people they're going to be? Because they're expecting something every day to be the same. What challenges have you been able to overcome and correct in a unique way? Let's keep it present. COVID-19. I mean, we have to evolve. Same business model, but we have to kind of evolve a little bit. Make people safe. Make people understand that we're doing the right thing. We're ahead of the game. We don't wait for the state or the nation to tell us how to keep our patients or our consumers safe. You know, my wife says it all the time, man. You may be thinking it, but optics is very important. I may present a safety environment, but I also have to verbalize that. I always have to make them see it. It's like selling your product, you know? You could have a great product, but if you don't verbalize why your product is great, people are not gonna know. I think there's so many nuggets in what you're saying. I really want these last few questions to get from you the secrets. So these are insider secrets, some of which I think you already touched on. I want to just do like a lightning round with you as we finish off with these questions. I really feel like I can talk to you for hours. It's so much that I can get from you. But first question I have for you, what one secret would you offer your pre-niche self that will help accelerate the progress from where you were to where you are now? It's a very important question. I think what would have made me excel quicker, I think maybe if I took slightly bigger risk, meaning, you know, I opened up a practice and then I waited like two or three years to open up another one. Maybe I could open up within a year because I knew I was already being successful, right? A big problem I have is I micromanage. So I limited myself from expanding because I was trying to micromanage things. And now as I get older, I'm doing less of that. So I think in the very beginning is like, whoever's listening, if you know your business is working within the first year and you're gonna streamline the same business model, I think you shouldn't be afraid to expand to either other locations or other ways of selling your product, maybe internet, maybe uh, brick and mortar. As long as you know within the first year that it's working, I think it's a very calculated risk. I think it's lower risk because you already taste success. What secret is a must-have to getting started and staying committed? The biggest drive people should really think about is not cars and houses. I think it's really like, I want to have a family in the future. Maybe people don't want to have a family, but that was my goal. I want to have a family. And what could I do to work hard now and take care of my family in the future? You know, I was thinking about this way early on, but I had a great family structure. We weren't the richest people, but we had great morals at home. We had great religion and we had great morals. My family imparted a lot of hard work, you know, 
And I think a big motivation is family for me. Now that you discovered your niche, how challenging is it to do what you currently do now that you found your niche? I find it very easy. I mean, I could do it with my eyes closed. I've done it for 20 years. I've recited it over and over again. Like you said, we could talk all day because I lived it. It's just like reminiscing for me. I mean, I just want to tell whoever listens there. At 16 years old, I felt like I was poor. I realized I was poor. When I say I was poor, when you can't go to McDonald's and get a burger because you didn't have the money to go get that burger, there's people poorer than that. But then three years later, I had a business and I had a car and had money in the bank. My life changed in three years. This is America. That's what I want to tell people. Like, you could change your life in a year or two, you know? And I just want to tell that to people. Like, I think once they realize that, like, life could change in a year. It's powerful. What secrets do you have to staying consistent? Believing in myself and all the hard work I put in. I mean, you cannot just build a business without doing one year of work. I mean, I think you have to do one year of work. I mean, like, legwork, homework, checking your pros and your cons and triple checking it. And then a year later, I think then you're ready. But to do something for three months, unless, you know, there are some businesses that are, I mean, I could probably start a business now in three months because I know what the outcome is. Like in medicine, make a prognosis on a patient's condition. You know, do a prognostic projection of a business. And I'm talking about small. I I can't do big enterprises or corporations, but I could tell that if I see a need on something and, you know, you sell a couple of products and people or clients buy that product, I think you will kind of surmise of where that company is going to go. How important is it to be accurate in expressing your niche at the beginning stages when you discover it? I actually don't think that's important. I mean, a great thing is that when you start building up a clientele, when you start a business, make them feel like they're a part of that creation of that business. And I think they will stay with you long term because they feel like they've been a part of your success. I think I've always done that in the beginning, you know, like, hey, I'm starting a business. You know, I have a business model, but whatever ideas you may have, I've been more than open to it. And then sometimes I try their ideas and if it works, I commend them for it. And you could have a business model that's efficient and successful 80%. You're still going to need that 20% fine tuning. And that's going to come from your own clients because they're the ones that dictate what's going to make that 80% become the 90, 100%. Correct? Like, who else is going to determine that? You? (laughs) How frequent should one make time to develop their niche? I think every day you have to reassess what works and what doesn't work. That's how I would answer that question. You know, you're developing your niche because what fails, you set aside. What succeeds for the day, I'm going to do that again tomorrow. And this is how you create your uniqueness, your success, your niche. And you don't have to do big changes every day you'll notice something. It could be from like my front desk greeted every lady like saying, hey, I have a great treatment today. Not like, I hope you had a great treatment today. But in the beginning of the session, like, I hope you have a great treatment today or have a great treatment today. It's already a positive message, right? And same thing in any business. You know, you got to wake up with a positive mentality. If you have a defeatist attitude, I mean, come on. Then you focus on the negatives and you never really capitalize on the positive. You never really say, I'm going to keep that. It's good to know the negative, but you can't sulk on it. That's the negative. I know it. Now I'm going to put it aside. And that should never happen again. What level of intensity does one need to have oh, man. in order to, in your opinion, to achieve their dream? You guys could tell he was asking the question. <laughs> Get that out there. I hear you. <laughs> and when I say high intensity, you don't got to be loud. 
you know, somebody could be high intensity inertly. I, mean, I got passion. Like I can't wait to be more successful tomorrow because of my passion. And it has to be high intensity and not outwardly high intensity. It's got to be inertly. Like you got to love it. You got to be hungry. I mean, I'm hungry every day, not physically hungry, but there's some people that have so many ideas and so much passion. I feel like I should live forever. And I've had other people say the same. And there are successful people like they're like, I feel I could do this forever because every day I'm hungry. And guess what, guys? You don't have to be born with hunger. And that's one thing. You could be the most unmotivated person today. You could still push yourself to be hungry the next day. Because you see a guy that's hungry and with a personality like me, doesn't mean you can do that because you don't have my personality. No, like I said, small steps, small businesses. Incremental progress makes a world of difference, especially if you have a direction. Yeah. Now, so last question that I have for you, how do you know when to change course versus staying focused on your goal? I love this, man. I love this question. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's so simple. You know, to me, it's simple. It's like, how do you stay the course? If you see happy clients and you see your bank account rising, you must be doing something right. If you see unhappy clients and the bank account is going down, you need to steer away from that course. Sometimes common sense is your best asset. Don't overthink it. Because one day you feel like you're in the right course, you're doing well. You know, I just thought of something that I need to tell you guys. Because your clients or consumers are happy, that does not equate to financial success. Because there's a lot of people will tell you, you have the best product, but they don't buy that product. You can't also be oblivious to that. You can't like, everybody loves my product, everybody loves me because I'm the product. But what I need to reassess is that, are my accounts receivable matching with my accounts payable? Mm. Is the money coming in, paying the bills and paying me or paying for my product? So don't let the hype also get to you saying when people tell you, oh, I love your product. This is going to be a success. We're going to be your regular customers forever. Like take that and give yourself a pat in the back, maybe. But with a grain of salt also, because those kind of perceptions also have to correlate with what's coming in financially into your account. And if the two aren't melding, then you know you have to get off that course. Like something's not right either. Well, Dr. Legaspi, I truly appreciate you taking the time out of your busy day to just have this informative session with me where I just feel like there's so much wealth of information. Every one of these questions that I asked you, I literally have like three, four follow up questions. I think what we need to do is have you back on at a later date. <laughs> yeah, maybe one day you'll have a Q&A, you know, segment with entrepreneurs. And, you know, I wish everybody well there. And I think the whole goal of your podcast is to really give back. And I'm a big supporter of that. I just feel like it was harder for me to get into business because people weren't so accepting. And I think this avenue of helping young entrepreneurs is such a great positive thing because it just makes the world better. So I thank you for inviting me and I'd be more than happy to join you guys again. And I wish everybody good luck. And if you guys have any other questions you would like to ask me, go through his podcast. And I know he's working for you guys, man. I mean, he's working for free for you guys. Well, how can they reach you as far as, you know, if they're interested in finding a doctor, which I think you're amazing. You helped me literally walk again when my back was thrown out. How can they reach you? What type of handles are you using? What do you use on social media right now for people to ping you? They can reach me at aplusrehab at gmail.com. I own A-plus physical therapy centers in New Jersey. We're located in Livingston, North Caldwell, and Scotch Plains. And we're more than happy to help anybody with any kind of musculoskeletal conditions, orthopedic conditions. And I've done it all. And I'm also research-based. So everything we do is evidence-based practice. 
but we're here to help. And for anybody that's listening here, this is the first step in being an entrepreneur. The fact that you're sitting and listening to this is your beginning stages into this. Like you're already there. This is exciting times right now, man. Like whoever's listening to this right now, they should realize that your foot is in the game already. Mm, love it. Your foot is in the game. He just put your foot in the game, actually. He <laughs> I love it. I love it. And so, you know, here at Dream Octane, again, we thank Dr. Legaspi for being part of this program. And you know our motto. Our motto is if innovative change is an engine, well, your unique dream could be its fuel. So we thank you for joining the Niche Finder podcast today. And we hope that there will be nuggets of truth that you can take from Dr. Legaspi's journey as an insider, an expert into someone who was able to glean so much understanding and apply it real time so that he can find the success that he has. Hopefully you can apply it to your own life and find similar success in your own unique way. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in to the Niche Finder podcast. And we look forward to seeing you on the next episode.